In addition to the obvious, yesterday we had Chase Young back at practice, and we got a step closer to potential justice for Brian Robinson as a 17-year-old arrested in connection uh, with the shooting of Brian Robinson. You knew that was going to happen, didn't you? I had that news, yes. Yes, yes I had that news. I tried to I tried to give it you know, yesterday afternoon, but JT the Vic told me go fly a kite. So... Why um, would you? Why would you listen to JT the Vic? I, because I was calling in on my phone, uh-huh. and JT the Vic has the power to either put me on or not put me on. Uh-huh. So he wouldn't put me on. So uh-huh. I just went back to buy my McDouble, uh, large Coke, and went on my way. That's the way it went yesterday afternoon for Pedro. A McDouble. Loved it. Um, so while I was here slaving over a hot microphone with Linnell, you were well, having you did. A, I mean, you did you an were extra hour. A, a double, I did one extra hour. I know you, you did, did too. You were a good man. You stuck around. But you, you, but then I, I went home. I drove in traffic, and I did not one, not two, but three podcasts. Wow. Had to produce them, edit them, mm-hmm. post them, host them, uh, script them, guest, and a WUSA nine live hit at like five twenty. 520-ish nice. yesterday, in which uh, Brady the Cat was so excited about Dan Snyder selling the Commanders that Brady the Cat decided to make a guest uh, appearance. Uh, jumped you know, up on your lap there. I mean, like Tom Brady is was supposedly looking into buying a part of the Dolphins. Maybe what they could do is have Tom Brady uh, leave the Buccaneers, come up, I mean, we still need a quarterback, right? Buy a portion of the Commanders. Hook up with Kevin Durant and uh, and Dale Earnhardt and um, and Matthew McConaughey, right? Uh, buy out the Commanders, have Tom Brady own a portion, come up here, be the quarterback at age forty six, and away we go, baby. It works for me. And Brady, um, Brady the cat that. can be the, the the new my Brady the cat can would, be the new mascot, right? Because we're still looking for a mascot, <laughs> aren't we? Might be looking for a new name. You never know. Uh, well, that's another thing that's been thrown around. Uh, I think Ben Conti uh, asked us about. That uh, I'll spend a minute on it. Uh, I don't know if you have any interest in, in in speaking about it a lot. There's been a lot of people that said, "Well, you know, you get a new owner, they can change the name because that's you know that was Dan Snyder's." I, I honestly, guys, I'm just telling you, like worry about winning football games and worry about doing other things right, like getting everything right, getting everything right, so you don't have the colossal bleep fests of embarrassments that you constantly have with this organization. Worry about getting the things that you can write. Forget about the name. It doesn't matter. It's just a stupid name. It's a stupid nickname. Those of you that swear and live and die by like I get that you didn't want to change it from Redskins. I didn't want to change it from Redskins. Forget about it. Worry about winning games and doing it the right way and winning consistently so we don't have an absolute poop show of an organization every day, every week, every month, every year, every decade, every century, in every way, so that we can actually talk about Kirk Cousins coming back and the 6-1 and one Minnesota Vikings and how the commanders might actually beat them and win a fourth in a row and go to 5-4. and four. You know, like... Football wouldn't that be the ultimate plot twist to what's happening <sighs> right now with this team, with the news trending in a positive way off the field, but also trending positively on the field? I mean, they beat Kirk. That's four wins in a row. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you get to five and four, and you're firmly right. You are legitimately oh, no doubt. right in there mathematically now from that category. The problem is when you look, remember everybody talked about how soft this schedule is going to be. You look the rest of the way, there's a 500 Falcons team that's playing better. There's San Francisco that brought in reinforcements uh, with McCaffrey. You're playing the Giants who are playing out of their mind. Was last week the start of a regression to the mean as it pertains to the Giants? Remember, Zorn started out 6-2 and two here, mm-hmm. and everybody was like, wow, look at that. I think it is, and okay. I've been saying that all along. I know you're yeah, I know you're really high on Dable, and, and listen, I, I love players, Brian Dable remember, too. But he, the, it's a player's game, yeah, and at some exactly. point your players exactly. regress to the mean. Though, though, you could look at it. They traded Kadarius Toney. Addition by subtraction yep. sometimes freshens the air in but the room. But if you bottle up Saquon Barkley, you have a great chance yes, of you do. the Giants. Yes, you do. 100%. Because, uh, look, Daniel Jones yeah. is going to make some plays one Sunday. Right. He's not going to make plays Easier other Sundays. Easier said than done to bottle right. up. Seattle was <laughs> able to do it. Mm-hmm. Easier said than done. But if you can, if you can, and, and the Commanders will face that twice in the span of three weeks sandwiched around a bye. They play, actually, the Giants two games in a row. But have a bye in But between. with a bye in between, mm-hmm. so it's over three weeks, which is interesting, right? That's very, very, very rare that you play the same opponent two games in a row. And remember, I mean, think about it. Think about it. You're playing Falcons, 49ers. Yeah. You're playing the Vikings this week, or 6-1. and one. You're playing Dallas again. You're yep. playing the Eagles again. Yep. And you play the Giants twice. Listen, the best you can hope for, quite honestly, over the next two games, not to jump too far ahead, is to die in your sleep, as Kenny Rogers once said. Well, I mean, how, how, Are they, how do I answer that? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, listen, that would take away a lot of pain. Um, Are they better? Let me ask you this: if, if, We if, know we know they're not better than Frisco, Philadelphia, or Dallas. Not 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 on paper, and not right okay. now, and not in reality. So that means right to avoid going seven and ten. Yeah, you've got to beat for sure Atlanta and Houston. Which is Houston's after yep. Philadelphia on a short week. Now, listen. Here's the but thing I'm saying, that I would I'm say. just talking about those teams I just mentioned. If, if you can go one and one in this next two games against Minnesota six and one, granted at home, and against the right now, maybe it'll change tonight. Doubt it. Undefeated Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night. If you can somehow go one and one and be five and five heading to Houston, which is not going to be easy on a short week, longer road trip. You know, they're feisty, but not good, obviously. It's a game, again, you know, like the Colts game. Uh, you know, you should win that game, although it'll be different than the Colts game because Davis Mills got more experience. My point being is if you're five and five after these two, one and one over these next two, you should put yourself in pretty good position to possibly, possibly be seven and five. But no easy task, again, going A, splitting these two. No easy task going to Houston. Nothing's easy for this team. Just because Atlanta's here and just because people think, oh, you know, it's it's like Marcus Mariota. Eh, you know, like I'm no big fan of Mariota, but he's played better than I thought he would. Cordero Patterson coming back uh, from IR. Sure, they don't have that many wide receivers, but Kyle Pitts will kill this team uh, because he's a matchup nightmare, as you know, you've talked about uh, since he was drafted. My point being is, like, this team is a 500 team and no better. It is an 8-9, and 9-8 team. But in order to 
be relevant in late December and into January for those final two home games against Deshaun Watson and the Browns on New Year's Day and against uh, the Dallas Cowboys either the Saturday or Sunday, depending on NFL scheduling, in Week 18. In order to do that, Pete, I really feel like, you know, this team can't probably get two or three games below 500 again because it's the road is getting getting tougher the easier part of the schedule is over and and two remember as the season goes along you're going to have more and more injuries right so you're going to have less and less depth less and less of what you hoped for and planned and you can't afford to get ambushed in these next two games and then feel like a desperate sort of thing going to Houston on a short week and then what if you lose that game and you're five and eight and you're like all, or four and seven? You lose right? it the Texans, season's pretty your much over at that over. point, right? So to Mail me, it's it so important for them. I do nobody, nobody should expect them to go two and oh over the next two weeks. Nobody. Nobody, 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 nobody. You can hope all you want. It's not realistic. It's not happening. If they go one and one, if they go one and if they beat the Vikings, which is not an absolute unheard of task. In those six games that I just brought to your attention, you're going to be favored in what? Two? Giants at home, maybe? And Atlanta? Uh, Yeah, I don't care about being favored. But I'm just saying, those are going to be the only games where – on paper, you're looking at it as a 50-50 game. You're not better than Frisco. You're not better than the Eagles. You're not better than Dallas. You're not better uh, than, than San Francisco. And and in theory, you're not better than Minnesota. So you've got to steal. You can, I'm not even sure you can go 3-3 three and three against those teams. I think if, you, if you're thinking even remotely close to being 10-7, and seven, you've got to go 4-2 and two in those six games. I'm not even worried about the other games. I'm just talking about those six right there. And it might it might require you to sweep the Giants. It might require you to sweep the Giants if you think you're you're competing for a postseason berth. As I look at it. I mean, you know, like that's a lot of ifs and 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 maybes and like we could sit here and say, well, if you do this and if you do that and if you win this game and if you win that game, you'll be in this position. I mean, those final three games are, are, are even though two are at home. And do you even think we're going to see San, Deshaun Watson in that yeah, game? Yeah, I think so. At San Francisco, home for Cleveland, home for Dallas. Presumably, Cleveland might have something to play for, I would think. I mean, you know San Francisco three weeks. I mean, listen. I, I mean, I truly... I mean, who knows what they're who knows what they're going to be a month from now. Never mind at the end of December, right, and into January. If they find a way to win this game, if they find a way to win this game, and in order to win this game, you're going to need to score 24 points or more. I I, I believe would agree, and I don't think they have the capability of doing that. Maybe, 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 maybe if they get Jahan Dotson back, which he didn't practice yesterday. And if they force, you know, like if you get a a kickoff return from Antonio Gibson, and and he's come, you know, he he's he's definitely moving the needle in that direction. Or you get a pick six, like the Packers got, 
you know, uh, uh, two weeks ago when we were last at FedEx Field. Or, and you get a touchdown that way so that the offense doesn't have to carry the burden of scoring 24, 25 points. That's a way that you can beat Cousins in Minnesota. I mean, they're good on offense. I don't know if I would say they're a juggernaut. You know, Kirk's numbers are, based on the past, somewhat pedestrian. Somewhat. Uh, Justin Jefferson hasn't had a receiving touchdown since week one. I think he's going to break out this week and have two. Uh, that's just me. That's maybe the naysayer in me. Uh, I, 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 You know, you, I could see, like, Dalvin Cook being bottled up in the backfield or stretched out, and then he busts a tackle or two from somebody, and and he runs for a 25-yard touchdown. They should, something like that. But this team is going to have to win games with, obviously, more than just its offense. They are going to have to win games in all three phases. All three phases. They are going to have to get at least points or field position from their defense to allow them to easily score seven at least once against most of their premier opponents. Against teams like the Texans, maybe against the Falcons, maybe against the Giants, you might be able to dilly-dally around and you know basically do what you did against the Colts, which is be asleep for three quarters of the game and then wake up for three drives, including two at the end. You might be able to get away with that against those type of teams. You ain't going to be able to get away with that the next two weeks. You don't trust that this team can find what it did in those last two drives emphasize more of that going forward. Try to almost even script that stuff early on Sunday against Minnesota. Trying to get Terry McLaurin the football, even though the Vikings know, oh, they're going to try and get the ball to 17. But to me, if I'm Scott Turner, I take what worked on those last two drives. And Chris, I try to start with that this week. I almost script that out and try to start with that this week. Granted, a couple of those plays that Heineke made during that time were off script, escaping the pocket, where things were closing in, and all of a sudden, like, get smart, he got out of it and made some terrific throws off schedule uh, there. But if I'm if I'm Scott Turner, I try to emphasize 17, 10, and the running game early this week and see if I can get Taylor Heineke going in that game. Try to get Terry McLaurin going early in that contest and and see if you can keep that momentum of what you accomplished over the last two drives from last week. I think you can pick on Dantzler, the corner. Mm-hmm. I think you can pick on their slot guy. Remember, Terry lined up in the slot on the 42-yard little yep. crosser, stop crosser, what have you. Line, you know, Three-by-one formations now that Logan Thomas is back and you know has a game under him. Like You can line up three receivers to the right and one, you know, or Cam Sims on the left and three receivers to the right, however you want to do it. Uh, I think there's some things that you can take advantage of. I think I was listening to uh, Paul, uh, uh, what's his name, Charchian uh, with Sheehan, who's a big Vikings fan, based in Minnesota, talking about space in the intermediate levels, what have you. I think you can attack those areas. One thing that I'm going to be really curious from, uh, before we get into the Kirk Cousins coming home thing, and, and we'll get back to the ownership thing, guys, we're trying to obviously spread everything around and, and not just be so focused and blinded uh, on the ownership situation. Obviously, it's a huge story. Um, one thing I'll be interested in, can they get Taylor Heineke going, to your point, from the start, from the start early, so that you don't have to be in a position where you're desperate, down 10, down 11 points, whatever it is, f- you know, seven minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. 
Can they be more consistent on offense? If you look at the Green Bay game, he was awful in the first half. Awful. Had one good drive. Look at the Indianapolis game. He was awful in the first three and a half quarters. One good drive at the end of the second quarter. The Antonio Gibson, and and, and that was on the Terry McLaurin 42-yard uh, catch-and-run drive that I'm talking about. They need... This offense against good teams, against good offenses, against better defenses, they cannot afford to be asleep at the wheel until midway through the fourth quarter. Have to find a way to get the offense going and, and, and converting on third down, to your point, run the ball a little bit better. You know what I would love to see them do? Again, so far nobody has been able to stop this, Pete. You don't even have to line up Antonio Gibson as a wide receiver all the time. You can. Just constantly leak him out on natural screens yeah. and on wheels. Nobody's been able to stop it. I, You know, everybody wants him to have 10 more times. Fine. Get him 10 targets because you know what's working? That. Yep. That's get it, working. Get him, getting him the ball in space. It's creating matchup nightmares of that question. And also, it's usually an easier throw for Taylor Heineke. You're not asking Heineke to throw the ball 60 yards down the field, but you could still – Get an explosive play out of the deal, throwing it to Antonio Gibson in space. The one thing about Kirk Cousins that could play to Washington's advantage coming up this week. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the expansion of another investigation as it pertains to uh, the ownership here and the team here in Washington. So much still to uncover between now and noon as we get to the halfway mark here on a Thursday morning show. It's Russell and Medhurst live 9 to noon and, of course, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Halfway home on a Thursday morning, still to come, we'll break down the latest involving the Washington football team, the latest investigation that is launching and what it could mean for the Washington football team. Trying to talk a little football here, though, before we get to that. The Washington football front has been good here. Uh, That front line has been terrific on the defensive side last few weeks. Chris Kirk Cousins is a guy that will not vacate the pocket very much. He will be easy to find uh, coming up on Sunday. I believe that there will be opportunities for big plays by the defensive line getting to eight at some point. Yeah, uh, We know eight will put it on the ground from time to time if you get to him. Uh, certainly, he has not been as accurate as he has been in the past for whatever reason. New offense uh, and a you know, I mean, look, I mean, you got a Minnesota, Minnesota staff and a head coach that's learning on the job themselves I right mean, he now. did have familiarity with Kevin sure, O'Connell. Sure, but, certainly familiar with the concepts. But, but Kevin O'Connell's system is, in Minnesota, is not exactly what they were running here. Now, right. some of the terminology might be the same, but that was Jay Gruden's terminology mm-hmm. that Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins used, not Kevin O'Connell's terminology. Impetus probably will be on Dalvin Cook this week. I imagine Dalvin Cook's going to get a lot of carries because they feel they'd be able to gash Washington in the run game. But when eight is back to pass, I think that defensive line's got a chance to get home because they know where he's going to be. It's not like you've got to prepare for a quarterback like Fields who'll get out of the pocket 
like Rodgers, who will actually vacate the yes. pocket to elongate right. plays. So I a, think a more stationary. I think there's a stationary target, target sure. right there for Washington, and that defensive line has a chance to really put its prints on this game by getting to Kirk Cousins and maybe getting him off his game a little bit. I would say this also. I got to look up uh, what Kirk has done in terms of fumbles uh, this year. I'm trying to find it here real quickly. Um, I don't think it's been a major problem, but Kirk has lost one fumble this year. Now, I don't know how many times he's fumbled. I'll have to look that up in a sec. But how many times he's fumbled versus lost fumble is different. But every time you fumble, it is a problem, right? It is a live ball, and it is a chance at a turnover. That being said, remember in his final year here when when the offensive line was really in shambles? um, He did fumble quite a bit. He does have – I mean, I've never measured his hands. I don't remember exactly from the combine in 2012, (laughs) Pete. But he does have smaller hands, right? Kirk – if he, if you're going to get to him, you might be better. I mean, I, I know he was known for interceptions early in his career. And this year, look, he's thrown five. And again, only 11 touchdowns through, through seven games, which is, again, not a lot. If you're going to get to him, I think your best chance is, like you said, through the defensive line and forcing turnovers that way as opposed to hoping that he throws up a crazy-ass pass like Taylor Heineke does once a game, twice a game, three times a game, and often gets picked. Quite honestly, I think your best chance, just like I think Minnesota's best chance, is to hope that Taylor Heineke throws one up in desperation, heave mode, what have you, trying to make a play, trying to extend a play, like he did against Indianapolis in the fourth quarter last week, like he did against Green Bay, which um, uh, was was picked off by Devondre Campbell. Kirk Cousins probably, I mean, look, he can throw an interception. I'm not saying he won't. But your probable best bet is to hit Kirk Cousins from behind or to hit him at the same time with a converging pass rush, again, because he's a more stable target, and to force the ball out of his hands that way and also recover. That is your probable best chance. Uh, In terms of, like, the emotion of him coming back here, I don't think he's going to be over-amped. I think he's going to get booed. Uh, I think he's going to get lustily booed. I think the commander's fan base hated him. Uh, I think they blamed him largely for the contract, not Bruce Allen. I think that's wrong. I I understand that he could have bent over backwards time and time and time again and gotten railroaded financially. I I I get that. I understand that. Listen, Kirk Cousins is a hard guy to root for. In in some ways, he's he's a he's a better person, and I can say that because I know him. Um, I'm not saying we've talked a lot over the last four or five years, but you know, obviously we still stay in touch. Just talked to him the other night. Um, he's a, he's a, I think he's a good person for the most part. I, I think he's got some qualities that annoy people and drive people crazy. I do not think he deserves to get booed. I think he will get booed. I think commanders fans. Well, he's a visiting player. Well, I mean, yeah, by nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you, you know, know. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers didn't get booed. Jalen Hurts didn't get booed. Well, you gotta have you gotta have enough of your fans in the no, building to I, boo them. No, I know, but but you get my point. Sure. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence didn't get booed. My point is, is Kirk Cousins will get booed. 
I don't think I, I I could be wrong. I think maybe early on he might be a little overamped, like maybe gripping the ball a little bit, maybe overthrowing something like that. But I think once you get two, three, four series into the game, I think Kirk will settle down. I think think I don't think he'll be booed like every time he comes to the line of scrimmage, like a like in hockey when you know uh, uh, like when. Um, you know, a, a former player touches the puck and they come back, right? Like when John Tavares came back to Long Island, I mean, the Islander fans were just, I mean, all over his you-know-what, right? I mean, just unmerciful, right? I don't think that's going to be the scene on Sunday, but I do think it will have some sort of an early game effect where Cousins will be maybe a little bit rusty, maybe a little overamped, maybe a little hyped up, you know, maybe a little tight, if you will, I think he'll get booed loudly when the Vikings come out. I think he'll get booed when he comes up to the line of scrimmage. I think he'll get booed if he's on the big jumbotron thing or whatever, just like Tanya did. Um, I think I, I I don't think he'll be treated well, uh, which is sad. Make it, it it frustrates me because again, I wish people would understand the truth, and that Kirk wasn't innocent, but it was far 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 from him being at fault. It was far, far, far from him being at fault, in my opinion. But I don't know if it'll have a big impact on the game. What I worry more about is, again, Justin Jefferson getting right. Justin Jefferson getting right in this game is a very real thing. He's only got, uh, what, 752, well, only, 752 receiving yards in seven games. Uh, When I say only, that's 108 yards per game. 14-5 per reception uh, and he does have two touch. I keep mm-hmm. saying one. He had the two in week one, right? So he hadn't had one since week one. He had a rushing touchdown, I think, in um, in one of the weeks, whatever the case might be. Pete, I worry. I, I Like, this is the type of game, and I've seen this before, where Justin Jefferson's kind of sort of been quiet and maybe not as explosive, and where I just see him abusing Kendall Fuller. And maybe even Benjamin St. Juice, who did not play, well, I mean, he's who had a little be, bit I mean, of a first rough of all, game. Wait a minute, it's not even that. It's Justin Jefferson is good enough to beat any cornerback in the National Football League. I know, okay? I know, but he but so, he hasn't been beating them for touchdowns at least over the last five or six weeks. Right? They've been winning without him getting into the end zone a lot. My point is, is what happens to this Vikings offense now with T.J. Hawkinson in a limited role? What happens to this Vikings offense if he does get going? If they start, if they start getting him, especially in the red zone, like think about this: the Commanders' defense, Pedro, they give up a lot of, they've been giving up a lot of yards. Indianapolis moved the football all over the place on them all throughout the game. Chicago moved the football all over the place against them. Green Bay didn't really, but they did late. Okay, so that's one exception. Maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe there's a couple of reasons for it. But in two of the three wins, they've given up a ton of yards. But what the, what have they done? They've turned the ball over inside the 10-yard line, inside the red zone, inside the five-yard line. They've turned the ball over. They've gotten stops on downs. So I wonder when you get a much better offense than you have faced Indianapolis, Green Bay, and Chicago, maybe combined. Keep in what mind. Happens? Keep in mind here too. The reason why, um, the reason why Jefferson's total has been down. Uh, they were five for five in the red zone last week. 
against uh, Arizona. And three of the red zone touchdowns are Dalvin Cook. Yeah. They're also month the tight end, sure. caught one, Osborne, sure. KJ Osborne. Look, yep. KJ Osborne He's has been be- a very sneaky. Yep. Good wide receiver three for Minnesota. You think you just got to stop Jefferson no, Thielen? No, no, no. You're going to have Hawkinson maybe yeah. coming in in a, in a in a in a lesser role. I agree. But you've got Madison, who's great spelling Cook. I mean, Alexander Madison, solid RB two for a team. I agree. So you're talking about a red zone that has emphasized the run. Even though, by the way, did you surprised even even with you? You try to get inside the analytics too much, but. As as no overall, some of the numbers for Cousins have been down. Last week was Dalvin Cook's first 100 yard rushing game mm. uh, for Minnesota. Did it on 20 carries last week. They ran for 173 though as a team, so they can beat you with Cook and Madison mm-hmm. both there mm-hmm. in the run game. So you know, right now you're scouting them conceptually. You're seeing certain things that you know. Okay, all right. When the red zone, every team red zone. What do you got to do? You got to stop the run first. Yeah. Okay, but. You know, now you've almost been lulled into a false sense of security where teams have done one thing with Jefferson all year. We can't let that guy get behind us. They're shading safeties there. The safety's 25 yards down the field to make sure Jefferson doesn't run right. by the corner but what does and that make do? an explosive play. It opens up all of go. the underneath stuff you for, you know, guys like Thiel, Osborne, whoever's playing tight end, whether it's Hawkinson or Munt. Cook, even as a pass receiver. Yep. Yep. So there are so many other ways, and Cousins is willing. See, maybe in the past, Kirk might try to force some balls mm-hmm. to Jefferson. Mm-hmm. He's not doing that right now. Yeah. So the 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 Kirk is in, I don't want to say career preservation mode, because everybody's been trying to run him out of Minnesota for the last couple of years. But, hell, you look up, he's 6-1. and one. Yeah, well, that was also because him and Zimmer hated each other. Good point. I mean, you know, so that that Good was point. part of it. Even though Kirk decided to stay there when mm-hmm. he could have, I mean, he could have let his contract, you know, remember, he only signed a three-year initial contract and he did decide to stay under a new extension, a reworked extension, even though he hated Mike Zimmer. And Mike Zimmer apparently hated him, right? I mean, they uh, apparently they wouldn't talk to each it other. Was a mutual they, they, dislike. they had a fight <laughs> in the locker room or outside the locker room or a loud disagreement that almost came to blows uh, last year. Real quickly in the red zone uh, this year, the Minnesota Vikings – are uh, two-thirds of the time they've converted uh, on a touchdown, 66.7% of the time. The league average is 10% below that, almost 57% of the time. Goal-to-go percentage, they've converted at 79% of the time. League average just shy of 72% of the time. But here again is where the Washington Commanders can win this game if they're not going to force turnovers, right? If they're not going to force takeaways or get takeaways and force turnovers, where their defense has been really good. It hasn't been good. Uh, You want to say 20 to 20 just for a generic, you know, 360 view? Yes. They've been really, really good in the red zone. They've been really good in goal-to-go. Do you realize in goal-to-go situations, what – if the league average giving up touchdowns was 71.3%, what do you think the commanders have done in goal-to-go defensive situations in terms of allowing touchdowns or forcing field goals or takeaways or turnover on downs? I don't know. Last week was super. Um, so I'll say touchdown. I'll say they've allowed touchdowns 
35 percent of the time. Oh no, 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 no. The league average is seventy one point three. In terms of allowing, allowing touchdowns, right? Goal so, to okay. go. Well, I'm fli- I've got yeah. it. My math flipped back yeah. and forth. Okay. Um, I would say they're below that. Oh, I would say they've allowed. Yes. Uh, they would. They would. They would. They've allowed less. Significantly less. Yeah. Fifty percent. Yeah. They're twenty one point three six percent below the league Absolutely. average in goal to go. And again, that's. Giving up a lot of yards, 20 to 20, 10 to 10, whatever you want to call it. It won the game for them last week. Well, it won the game not only last week, but it won the game in Chicago. They had three turnovers on downs or takeaways in Chicago inside the five-yard line. And last week, again, had the massive goal line stand that we talked about on Monday. And we broke down on Monday two back-to-back plays by Cam Curl and Jamin Davis that saved that game. Yep. Made it a 9-7 deficit instead of a 13-7 deficit. If the Colts get any more points out of a couple of different situations there, that game's over. And the fact that Washington fights it right to the goal line uh, has been tremendous. I knew they were below the league average. I didn't realize they were that far below the league average. That's a tremendous number. And when you can't, when when, again, you're kind of back into that quarterback that makes you have to win – 17, 14, or 20 to 17 mode right now until he shows us different. I'm not saying he can't show us different, but the proof was in the pudding last week, Chris. What was the final score of that game? Mm-hmm. 17-16. Mm-hmm. What did he win two games last year? 17-15. So the defense playing like that, this week you go up against better weapons and a better red zone operation than you were last week. In fact, this red zone operation is... Ten times better than the red zone operation you faced last two weeks, and that includes a mobile quarterback yes. in Justin Fields and a mobile quarterback in Sam Ellinger. But this group knows what the hell they're doing in the red zone. The commanders are tied for third best in goal-to-goal percentage, again, at the 50% with Joe Barry's Green Bay Packers. Remember Joe Barry, the stooge that couldn't coach? That you love, to, horrible you love to remind people of that. Right? And the Denver Broncos, pretty good defense there, right? Uh, Howard has his numbers in the uh, USFL this past year. Houston, mm-hmm. who's coming up soon, number two in goal-to-goal percentage defense at 45.45. The Rams, number one, just under 45%. You realize the Raiders have allowed 100% of their goal-to-goal opportunities against their defense be converted to touchdowns? Wow. 100 Wow. 100%. How's it going there, Josh McDaniels? 100%. Huh? How's it going out there? And the commanders are... Got Bill Belichick alongside. And again, the commanders at 50% in the red zone mm-hmm. are tied for eighth in the NFL. So again, if if you're not going to get the turnovers or the takeaways, and ideally you'd like to have that too, you must bow your neck in the red zone and specifically goal to go. But like you said, this isn't an anemic cult. No, mostly anemic right. Colts offense that's going to throw up all over themselves, and a mostly Bears anemic offense that's going to throw up all. Some over defenses itself. though play better when the field that, constricts. Though that is true. That's the thing. And that like last week, case in point, had Navy had to go the length of the field in that game last week to beat Temple in overtime, might have been different. But when you in overtime in college, when you only got to play twenty five yards, you only need one play. You know, sometimes when that field shrinks, your team is better. And clearly, Washington defensively gets better as you constrict the size of the field that they have to cover. 301-230-0980. There are more people that are coming to call on the Washington football team for improprieties, this time about financials. We'll talk about that and more next between now and noon right here on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Chris has a look at what's trending.
All right, we've been telling X's and O's about Kirk Cousins and the six and one Minnesota Vikings coming to FedEx Field Sunday afternoon, one o'clock for the four and four and surging Commanders. Pre-game coverage on Sunday morning, as always, starts at nine. Doc's got you covered on your way home with all the calls tonight. We have Thursday night football for you against uh, or for the Philadelphia Eagles and the Houston Texans. Pre-game coverage at eight o'clock. That follows Talking Terps with Mike Loxley and Johnny Holiday. We had Coach Loxley on at. 925 hit the Odyssey Rewind feature for a very good conversation with the Maryland Terrapins head coach. They head to Madison, Wisconsin, and the Badgers Saturday morning pregame coverage at 11 a.m. right here on the Team 980 and World Series Game 5 once again in Philadelphia tonight. It is Philadelphia versus Houston like it is in football. Series tied 2-2 after the Astros pitched a combined no-hitter last night, and that's what's trending. If you've ever stopped believing that something might happen with his franchise, we're finally heading to an area where it appears as if Dan Snyder is entertaining bids now for this Washington team. And of course, Byron Allen's name, one that's coming up prominently, made a bid for the Broncos, got beat out by the Walton family. I mean, they've just got the Walton family is endless cash. Every time I go to Walmart to buy my waters, like I have right in front of me right now, my great American watermelon flavor water, Fuji apple, also a quality flavor, as is white grape. Those are my three go-tos. Every I time like I cherry buy cherry limeade. Oh, you know what? Actually, I have one of those at home. Very good. I have one of those at home. I could probably bring it into you. Very good. Because uh, I picked it up because it's got a green label, like my so watermelon does. Was, uh... So I thought it was watermelon by mm-hmm. accident. So I'll bring that to you. It's you can interesting. Have the one. three flavors that you like are are. Not that I won't drink them, but uh, I, I I would probably tend to more avoid them than yeah. like it's ca- it's the clear American brand and it has zero sugar, oh, zero yeah. calories, zero caffeine, zero sodium. Yeah, my problem is is I don't get to Walmart enough because it's just a pain in the ass mm-hmm. to get to, and it's uh, you know I, I mean I love it, but it, it you know I just. I, know, I should order more online, quite honestly, because I, ah, I pay for that. I didn't think about that. I pay for so much that I don't use because I just don't have the time. But I, So, like, I should every do that. time I buy these, because I buy them, I mean, I literally buy, I'll go there and buy 36 waters. They're 70 cents a water yeah, it's for a 33-ounce bottle. So you buy 36 bottles? Yeah, because my wife likes black cherry. Oh. Kelly likes peach and uh, other flavors. Yeah. Like, see, Brenda, see, Brenda likes black cherry. She's like black cherry from the get-go. But she's now cutting on my turf with Fuji Apple, though. So my Fuji Apple supply goes down a little oh. faster because she and Kelly will both drink a Fuji Apple. You yeah. have to like put a padlock on the refrigerator. That's 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 not happening. I mean, you have to say, "Do you know who wears the pants in this family?" Uh, and she probably says that and says, and I just I just whimper to <laughs> no, the other room. I said room. you're supposed no, to. No, I just find the tallest cabinet, <laughs> hide them up. That's at a, a good high point. Height. That's a good point. Neither one of them likes to climb, so. <laughs> Um, that's a great point, Maddie. <laughs> yeah. 
I like yeah. that. If you buy something that you want to eat that you don't want anybody to touch, you put it in like a safe or something like that. So like, or, or like you said, a cabinet that's eight feet off the ground so that they have to climb the ladder. Every time I, every time I feel like I buy these uh, waters, I feel like I'm supporting the Rams and the Broncos. Well, uh, because I, I mean, members listen, of the Walton family own those two franchises. A, a, a bottle, you know, he, every little bit helps. So if you went to the, uh, all right, l- l- let me. What let do me they ro- say on all those Sally Struthers things? Just seventy cents a day. Let me let me roll. We'll help them let me roll it food. to you this way, right? You, I know you're going to Cincinnati this weekend. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, when we are at the Army Navy game in Philadelphia. Uh, coming up in uh, December I guess 9th. second weekend of December, mm-hmm. I believe the Sixers are playing uh, LeBron and the Lakers that Friday night. Ooh. So here's what I want you to do. Mm. I want you to go buy a ticket to go see LeBron and the Lakers and Russ. Let this kick. And the Lakers against the Philadelphia 76ers so that – You'll be supporting one of the leading contenders for the Washington Commandalorians, Josh Harris, who is a Silver Spring native, who is, I'm sorry, a Chevy Chase native, not Silver Spring. Got my Maryland towny, uh towns uh, confused. Who is a billionaire private equity owner uh, of the New Jersey Devils him. and the Philadelphia 76ers. I think Lurch knows him. It uh, wouldn't surprise me. I think he Elite knows him. Goes with elite. Rich goes with rich. I believe he had Lurch on the floor up in Philadelphia for a game last year. That would not surprise me at all. That would not surprise me. So anyway, he is, of course, one of the contenders in a, like, I know I have. People have, of course, wanted Jeff Bezos, whatever, Amazon. It's not like like everybody's convinced that Jeff Bezos is going to be the greatest owner alive on planet Earth. It's just you see what he's done with Amazon. By all accounts, he didn't seem like a terrible person. People think, well, you know, among filthy rich dudes, that guy's got to be better than Dandy Dan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then here's the other thing that's kind of sort of breaking. And I th- this is a name that you mentioned the other day, Byron Allen, uh, according to uh, Bloomberg. Uh, of course, you can listen to Bloomberg 99.1 on the FM dial. Uh, Byron Allen set to bid on the NFL's Washington Commanders. He's working with an investor group in order to buy the football team. Of course, he came up short in the bid uh, for the Denver Broncos. And and uh, Josh Harris, the guy that we first mentioned, right, he didn't officially make a bid for the Broncos because apparently he was willing to pay $5 billion. They sold for like four point four five six or four yeah four point mm-hmm. five six whatever apparently he wanted a guarantee that if he was going to bid five billion dollars that the franchise was going to be awarded to him I don't know the business policy procedures behind that is like if if you whip out your thing and 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 you know like I I'm you know I'm gonna show you how you know anyway I, I don't know. I, I have no idea why he would do that. Why that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Like a what, comma what? is a very small thing, but if you have the ability to write a check with a lot of them, yeah, you've got a that's that's a that's big enough, All right? But okay? but for whatever reason, he never made an official bid, despite reportedly being mm-hmm. willing to bid five billion dollars. Again, the team went for way not way less, but went well, for I think for what a chunk I think what that. I think he was trying to go in reverse there. I think what he was trying to say was. 
okay, I'll bid $5 billion, and if you tell me I'm going to be the winning bidder, then I'm going to go find other people that are going to help me get to the finish line at $5 billion that I have the access to. Yeah, that's fine. I believe that's probably what he was doing there. I, I, okay. Because what's, I, I, I can buy here's that. why. Here's why. What's the harm in bidding $5 billion? You're only bidding. You're not paying $5 billion, and if you lose your bid, you lose the $5 billion. That's not how it works. Right. Well, I guess I guess maybe what he was also thinking was if I bid $5 billion and then it becomes public that I or known to the other bidders that I bid $5 billion, if I bid $5 billion, then it, like Byron Allen might or, or whoever might, the, the Walmart family, the Waltons, might come in and bid five point two billion, yeah, and then sure. now it's like an auction, right? I don't want an auction. I want to buy the team. I'm going to give you over the market value. I'm going to give you over the Forbes value. I'm going to give you over the Bloomberg value. I'm going to give you over Washington's this value. going. I'm Washington's gonna, going for over the market value. Well, yes, but 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 his, I guess maybe his point was is I'm going to give you an established way over the value. And and as we know, it would have been way over the value. Mm-hmm. Five billion is way more than four point five six billion, right? I mean, it's not way more, but it is more. It's four hundred and fifty million more, right? I'm willing to give you this. Give me the damn team, or I'm not willing to give you that. Now, I don't know if he'll have the same practice here again. This team, I don't know if he's a Commanders fan or a Redskins fan or whatever. This team might appeal more to him, so he might have a different tact in mind. I don't know. I don't know. But him, Byron Allen, again, Bezos is always out there. What happens if Ted doesn't get the Nationals? Does he make a run? I don't know. Those are the four names that I probably in my mind come up with as potential buyers for this team. And I don't think any of them would be willing to go into business with Dan Snyder. I mean, I know Ted Ted Leonsis wouldn't. 301-230-0980. As this sale starts to... Um, you know, look, I mean, they want this. I think the NFL owners and Roger Goodell and the people at the administrative level want this to pick up steam. Um, they'd like to be able to settle this, I'm sure, by the owners' meetings at the Super Bowl so the new owners can get cracking with new business here in Washington. And Monday night, Dan Snyder may have had trick-or-treaters knocking at the front gate of the estate. Soon, it might be people with pocket protector badges that are ready to knock on the gate and ask some questions. What are we talking about? We'll tell you next right here on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app.